So we're recording this in May of 2021, and GPs around the country are getting amongst the monumental task of vaccinating a nation for COVID-19. And so how does that all work? What are GPs thinking about and managing on a day-to-day, and how can they use data to inform those decisions? Lots of high-stakes decisions being made on a day-to-day to help the country come back to some level of normality, which will be driven largely by the effective rollout of the COVID vaccine. So with me today is Chris Smead from one of the great Aussie health tech startups of today, Cubico, who are doing things for the right reasons and helping Australian GPs get the information they need about their practice to navigate the current challenges around the vaccine rollout. Today, we're going to explore how the vaccine rollout is going, what changes are being faced, the impact of those, and how technology is helping support all of it. Let's get into it, Team Health Tech. Make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Chris Mead, the co-founder and CEO of Brisbane-based software startup Cubico, an innovative platform dedicated to helping general practices gain insights into their practice business and operations every day. For the last seven years, Chris has seen firsthand the opportunities that can be realized through harnessing the power of practice data, having worked across practice management and practice support roles himself. And since 2012, Chris has been the Director of Finance and Business Development at Inala Primary Care, or IPC, a large not-for-profit healthcare organization pushing the boundaries of quality services available to disadvantaged communities. Hey, Chris, how are you going? Good, mate. Thanks for having me back on the show. It's good to be here. feels like so much has happened in the last 18 months. It's been pretty incredible. Yeah, has it been 18 months? Because like, I looked up and it was episode 35 that you came on the show. And this will be, I think this is episode 144 or thereabouts. Oh, so, so maybe, uh, I don't know, 12? I don't know. All I know is the last year in general practice has probably aged everyone 10 years. So... We've all lost track of time full stop. Yeah, this is true. So everyone have to go back and check out that episode if they've not done that before and they can get a good background of Cubico and where you're at then. And I'm sure we'll do a bit of a deep dive into how things have gone so far, but people might recognize you as well, actually, from the Autumn Summit, which we had recently too. So you're dialing in from the Northern Territory of all places. I have, I have. I've actually been up here for the last two weeks, traveling far and wide to some pretty amazing clinics all over the territory, getting to chat to some pretty amazing general practitioners, to some amazing health workers and amazing admin teams. So it's been a pretty cool few weeks and back to Darwin as of about two hours ago, calling in hot from up here with some pretty limited equipment. So bear with me if the audio is not up to your usual impeccable podcasting standards. I uh, did my best to hustle what I could. Doing well. I love it. Love it. So look, give us a bit of spiel then. What have you been up to? You're on the road, you're visiting clinics, particularly in the NT. What's been happening since the last time I spoke to you? Yeah, look, mate, we've been rolling out Cubico to a couple of hundred clinics all around the country, which has been pretty awesome. Coming up on 500 clinics using the platform, which has been pretty amazing in the last 14 months to get there. And having good chats to people about how data can help helping the mammoth task of delivering the COVID vaccines. And more importantly, how we help the business of general practice be more sustainable. It's all good to be across what's happening with the vaccine rollout. We also need to have a sustainable business in however many years' time when we stop rolling out vaccines and also to make sure we keep looking after our most vulnerable patients. What we can do to help on that front because things like chronic disease don't stop because we're doing a COVID vaccine rollout. So that's been pretty awesome, visiting a lot of clinics and hearing what can help make 
life a bit easier for them, as well as had to do some cool forums up here with people as well. Oh, excellent. Let's get into it then. I mean, COVID vaccine, for those that aren't really familiar with the whole process, we know there was an EOI process up until now. Tell us about that whole process that's got us from there until now. Yeah, mate, I feel like it was, what would it be, back in, I'm probably my timing wrong, mid to late Feb. On a Thursday night, the government put out that EOI for general practice. And what it was, was an expression of interest from general practices around the country, if they would like to be involved in the vaccine rollout. And I've got to say, it created quite the bit of work and quite the amount of interest for general practices because they've never done anything like this before. We're not a tender business. We don't write tenders for government. We don't do EOIs all the time. And I can remember, I still work in my clinic and we got the document and I looked at what they were going to pay for the vaccines. And I was just trying in my head to work out how the numbers would add up because we've got to be a sustainable business. We need to make sure we can still pay our bills and that our business keeps ticking over. I remember back then, over the weekend, actually making a bit of a spreadsheet and chucking it together to try and work out for our business, our clinic, if it made sense. And got to work with two other amazing people, Rivka and Marcus. And together, we made a bit of a tool that's been downloaded over 700 times for clinics to just work out whether that EOI would make sense for general practice to be part of it. Because back then, we had no idea how many vaccines clinics would get. And I don't think a lot of clinics had much of an idea or understanding about actually how long each immunization would take. I remember getting phone calls from all over the country with people saying, do I allow three minutes of jab, five minutes of jab, seven minutes of jab? Things that we sort of never had to work through in detail before to do it in that mass process. So we chucked that tool together and it was pretty useful to help clinics get a good handle on how they'd have to roll out the vaccine. Then they all went off to Canberra and we found out that nearly everyone who applied got access to the vaccine from the EOI process, which was pretty different to what we'd heard in those early stages. Mm. And so those that aren't totally familiar with it, we get a flu jab every year when we go to the doctors. It sounds like it's a remarkably different process then. How is this so different to just getting a flu vaccine? Oh, look, man, I'm going to say something. I don't know whether it's totally right, but I think general practice does vaccines really well. And I think we should have just let general practice keep doing what they do really well with the rollout of the COVID vaccine. I feel that some things we reinvented the wheel on. Whereas general practice and the state health authorities have been rolling out vaccines for a long time and doing it really well. So, yeah, I think we're very good in this country. I think we've got amazing nurses and amazing GPs who know how to have nurse-led vaccination clinics. And there was a fair bit of confusion around the start about whether these clinics could be nurse-led because information was changing all the time. There's a bit more paperwork involved, a bit more understanding, a bit more training and a bit more supervision, but nothing that I don't think general practice could do really, really well. And I'm going to keep banging on that drum that we can do this really well. It's our business as usual. It's what we do. And so then for practices, they've gone through that and now they're delivering the vaccine. It's where we're at now. Yeah. So what happened was everyone got their EOIs in and then we got word back about if your clinic was eligible, if it had been chosen. And nearly everyone was. I think the biggest surprise, mate, and I know I've spoken to a lot of clinics that have really ramped up bought extra fridges, dropped four grand on an extra fridge so they could get their patients vaccinated, employed more nurses, really ramped up. And then people found out they were going to get 50 vaccines or 100 vaccines or 200 vaccines right. a week yeah. or a fortnight. And that was a big blow for a lot of clinics. I know a lot of clinics, and I feel really privileged to be able to talk to so many clinics, had really got their whole team and their whole, their whole practice family behind getting people vaccinated and worked out how to scale up these amazing clinics. And then to find out they were going to get 50 was a bit of a blow for a lot of clinics. And I think made people go back to the drawing board about work out how they were going to do it. So yeah, people got notified about A, when they'd start receiving their stock. 
and B, how much of that stock they would receive. And actually some really interesting questions then came up about like how many can you do at week one so that at week 12, you've got enough stock and things like that. So there's been a whole sort of lovely maths data problem around that that's been coming up. And then also just a workforce question too about how you involve your team. And I don't know whether I've said it before, but I've spoken to a lot of people and I think it's something really important to remember. There's a lot of change fatigue. General practice has had so much change over the last 14 months that this was just another change. From our point of view, and I know from a lot of amazing other software vendors out there and companies supporting general practice, a lot of this has been how we can make this change management as easy as possible because there was a lot of fatigue around the change. But yeah, back to your question, vaccines are now rolling up in the clinics. Some are getting 50, some are getting 100, some are getting 1,000, depending on where they're at and what their stock is. And they're getting about the business of vaccinating patients. And for those that aren't COVID vaccine or are trying to do two different things, flu vax is now well and truly in swing as well. Lots of vaccines. And so then there's different phases as well, isn't there? Yeah. So at the moment, general practice is rolling out phase 1B. And I'm not too sure when this one will get to air. So as of now, that's what we're doing. And it's quite definitive. It's a lot of demographics and some medical and clinical conditions that are eligible, as well as disability status and a few other things. And it's been quite interesting to be working with clinics to identify those patients. It's some things that we've never really tracked that well in general practice, like occupation is one of the ways to be eligible and things like that, that we've never paid that much attention to keeping our data clean and ready on that front made people eligible. That's been a big challenge. And I remember when people first started having vaccines arriving, also making sure you protected your staff first up and you protected your team members first up from risk mitigation and things around that. Do you do your whole team in one day? What if there's adverse reactions and things like that? So yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I think it's eight weeks now in general practice to be rolling out the vaccine. I come back to that point that you made about the data, new data that we needed from all these existing patients that you've got. And I've always found that fascinating how over time, the concept of a practice management system in GPs has gone from being like a piece of clinical governance and a piece of reference through to almost like a full-blown CRM now, like a customer relationship management system. I guess that's your bag, right? Your day-to-day making sense of all that data. Yeah. And it was pretty exciting. I'm a nerd, mate. So I get pretty excited. Um, (laughs) I was excited when the data challenges came up. We had three amazing GPs working with us at Cubico and then our team all previously working away to make sure that as the guidelines for phase 1B were developed, we'd have a way to identify those patients in the clinic that would be eligible. And I know it sounds a bit corny, but as a team, we use a bit of a test. Would this help get our grandma vaccinated with everything we do. That's kind of the test we come back to because I think data and reports without purpose find a lovely place on the shelf and that's about it. So we were definitely focused on how we get the most vulnerable people, those people that were in phase 1B, making it easy for the clinic to identify those patients, making it easy to make sure they had appointments booked in so you didn't chase people that already had appointments booked in making sure they got in and they got vaccinated and then finally making sure that they come back for their second vaccination. I think a really key thing is, and if you're not being too close to the COVID vaccine, for the practice, they get a $10 payment if they do that second vaccination. So having the patient come back for that second vaccination is really key to making this economically viable for a general practice. Also, just really important for the patient to get that second vaccine. So we've been doing a lot of work around how we also make sure that we're keeping track of Who's had vaccine one? Who's due for vaccine two? Are they booked in for vaccine two? Have we missed it? How do we get them back in? How do we chase them down? Really helping the clinic get people through has been a big goal. And helping people get vaccinated who 
might not know or might be confused with all the changes and everything they hear about when they should be coming into their practice. But what about those clinics that wouldn't have captured whether a patient is a pilot or a whatever they are, you know, their occupation is kind of all hope lost there? Or is there something that you can do with that existing data? Yeah, I think there was about seven criteria, phase 1B, and there was some really simple stuff, like over a certain age, things like that that we could pull really quickly. Some things, yes, we just have to say we're not going to pull. And also some of the conditions that were in the clinical eligibility, data in a practice management system is only good as what's been coded. So if you've got a lot of free text coding from over the years, things start to get a bit messy. Luckily, we've seen a lot of clinics really embrace using the inbuilt coding in their systems, which has meant that we could pull this out. And then also working with some great doctors on other ways to identify patients. But yeah, occupation was definitely one of the hardest ones. I think at one stage, someone said a nurse obviously made you eligible. But if you use the word nurse in some of the free text searches, you found nursery workers. So I didn't think that people who worked in nurseries in garden centers were going to necessarily be eligible. <laughs> so a lot of tweaking on that front. We spent a lot of time looking at things. So you're using some of the free text fields there to be able to solve some of those problems. That Yeah, exactly. And you have that hope that one day you'll never have to worry about that. But I think the reason we've got so many awesome data analysts at Cubico is because they think like that, which is pretty amazing. And we've seen about 75% of our customers probably pushing 80% opt-in to have us help them with the vaccine rollout. And that's down to everything like who's eligible, have they been vaccinated through to one of our really popular metrics is people you have vaccinated but may have forgotten to bill for. We put in whole new workflows in general practice to see patients. And suddenly a doctor didn't need to see the patient for them to be given the vaccine. The doctor had to be in the building. So how is that working with billing workflows and things like that? really changed. So not just helping with identifying, but also helping with the process and ensuring the clinic get paid for all their amazing hard work. Yeah. But there was stuff that changed and it'll probably change by the time that this episode gets released too. So the goalposts are moving, right? So how are you keeping on top of all of that and then making sure that clinics are across it as well? A, we've got a pretty awesome team at Cubico keeping on it. B, all our customer support and customer facing team are actually ex-practice managers or practice owners. So they're pretty plugged into the community. And the other thing we did is when we rolled out that EOI tool that I mentioned at the start of the chat today, we actually made a Facebook group for the rollout of the vaccine. And that's been so good to be able to pass information back and forth as a community and what to focus on. So I remember the night about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, I've been up here for a while, so maybe a bit longer. You know, when they came on and they advised that under 50s shouldn't be getting the AstraZeneca. I'm probably totally butchering the phasing of that, but yes, yeah, what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, and, yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll get emails later saying you worded that wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> and I remember being in the Facebook group with all our all the people who were rolling out and just saying, look, what can we do to help? And our head data analyst and engineer literally swung into action that night to add a 49 and under or a 50 and over filter into our software just so you could quickly rule people in or out or, or at least get a heads up, but also to track back and work out which people 49 and under had been vaccinated. And we pushed that change by about 11.30 the next morning. And that's what people needed. I think sometimes it's easy to forget the fact that those changes actually have huge impacts to a clinic. So on Friday afternoon, if you'd booked out a whole afternoon of doing your 50 vaccines in one session on a Friday afternoon, and you had to quickly work out who was 49 and under, that's a pretty massive thing to do by hand. And I know three or four clinics that called me that morning, like, we've got a clinic this afternoon. I need to know who's 49 and under so I can call them. And that gave us, as you said, the feedback to make changes quickly, but also meant that we could support people so they didn't have to spend time going through patient charts, working out who was 
0.9 and under, they had a list there ready to go. And I was pretty proud of our team for being able to deliver that to people so quickly. I think it's one of the awesome things we've seen in the cloud move that we can do stuff like that. I was about to say the fact that it's cloud-based to be able to roll out something like that and not have to say, hey, download this latest update and update it on all your devices in the clinic, that which obviously takes a couple of months to do. But yeah, being able to move real time with the challenge, that's got to be helpful for a lot of clinics. Yeah, we had one clinic that was literally doing it on their iPad because they didn't have enough desktops to be doing it. That's the beauty of the cloud is that we're enabling workforce to deliver. And I think it's also part of being a company that's just so close to our users and the fact we still use it in my clinic. You know, I knew it was going to pay off for us in our clinic to be useful. And chances are, if it's going to be useful to someone in one clinic, it's going to be useful to five others. And that's the way we work. Yeah, there's so many things for those that are aspiring to build things within the healthcare space to learn from all of that. I think that you're there within the setting and using your own tool within healthcare on a day-to-day, but also that's really important in healthcare. And we've learned that a lot on Talking Health Tech. But then the point you've made around community too, I think that's so critical when you're building software or technology for other people, you've not got that community first to be able to leverage and keep across and essentially design with, then you're very much shooting in the dark. So that's pretty clever to leverage the Facebook group there. And mate, we get it wrong sometimes. It's not lovely to admit that. I'll probably get another email about that, but you get it wrong sometimes. So I know over that Friday, we did probably three or four releases of different things as as the rules changed on that one day and different stuff came out of the Commonwealth and different stuff came back from our customers, our awesome subscribers that we knew we weren't working towards a, this is done position. This is a moving feast. Look at the change last week to when people can roll out the 50 and over. I know we've had four clinics we've been working with this week just to make sure we've got the list as soon as they got switched on to being able to do 50 and over in that sort of extra bit there. So yeah, staying close. And then also just knowing that quite interesting the data you produce can be used by the clinic so we knew that the big patient engagement solutions had ways to download lists and then you can upload that to do sms's out and things like that so we make sure that our lists and our data can be used by the clinic to take real action it's not just a beautiful list we make sure that it works in the practice situations and doesn't involve a lot of work is really important to us i'll tell you one of the awesome things we love is actually our in-app chat because we've got our team manning that and you get real-time feedback pretty quickly when something's not quite right or could be done easier or better for a clinic. Very handy. Beyond the vaccine rollout for a moment, that will eventually not be the main focus for Cubicle. Who knows where the world goes these days, but in terms of what else you guys are working on, what we're going to look out for in the future from Cubico, what's going on? Come tomorrow, we start rolling out Fluvax. So yes, a bit more vaccine, but Fluvax is well and truly on everyone's plate, both government and private. This year for us, it's a big year of really creating ways for users to engage with our software as simply as possibly to get answers to questions that are relevant to their clinics. We've really learned over the last year that every clinic has a bit of a different focus on what they need. There's definitely no one size fits all. So we're doing a lot of work around customization and then a lot of work on integrations as well and, and what data will be useful for a clinic moving forward. And particularly as funding models change, as ways of working change, being there to help people along the way is really, really critical for us. At the moment, doing a lot of time on recruitment to grow our team, which is pretty awesome. We're all based here up in Queensland, some in Cairns, some on the sunny coast and some in Brisbane. So it's a nice sort of diversified team. But yeah, this year is all about consolidation and making sure we're delivering the best insights as possible in ways that are engaging. I think one of the awesome things that 
has changed since we spoke the first time was it might sound really simple, but Cubico used to be you'd log in and you'd have access to everything in our platform. And one of the biggest things we've rolled out this year is that you can actually customize what each member of your team sees in Cubico to help each member of your team focus in on what will be useful for them. So you can have a dashboard that just your reception team have access to that just helps make their life a bit easier and makes their job a bit easier. Have a dashboard that just the nurses have access to that just helps them with patient care and then also have access that maybe just your advisor or accounting partner has access to that helps you with the financials. So that real customizing of data to deliver outcomes is a big focus for us this year. That's amazing. And it's so important to with different roles and different responsibilities and different focus and priorities all from the same data set. So that's great. Exactly. Slicing and dicing it to make it useful is pretty key. Perfect. Chris, I'll let you continue to meet with clinics in the Northern Territory while you're up there. And we're going to put some details for Cubico in the show notes of this episode. And people can check out the directory listing on the Talking Health Tech website for Cubico as well. So look, good luck with everything and continue to support the clinics in doing what they do. And thank you so much for your time, Chris. Awesome. Thanks a lot, mate. Good to catch up. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. Go make it happen.